Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Neurodivergent Convergence. My name is Nikki, and I am on Bus of Struggle. And this is Aminder. I'm in. <laughs> I was like, do I talk now? Wait, this hold on. This is... <laughs> I've never been good at social cues, okay? <laughs> Who are you? I'm Amanda, and I'm also a passenger on the bus of struggle. Um, four hours of sleep. Uh, just got back from work, feeling great, doing good. Love it, love it so much. Okay, we have a a decent sized topic today, so let's just jump right the fuck on into it. So I am reading our AI story for today, and. Uh, I think you'll pick up on what our topic is from our keywords. So let's just kick it right the fuck off. So the keywords I had for our lovely little AI is empathetic, empathy, empath, emotions, feel, why, and Nikki. (laughs) Why the feels? Okay, so our beautiful AI apparently put me in, uh, I feel very honored, Apparently, I'm cool enough to be interviewed by Cosmopolitan Magazine. So this is what (laughs) is going on here. To give context to this story, this is my interview with Cosmopolitan.com, to be specific. On the (laughs) practical front, Nikki told Cosmopolitan.com that she uses her empathetic nature to be a good friend. And these are my quotes. Once you understand how someone gets, it opens up more chances to connect, she said. I feel the same for someone who is constantly saying something bad about me and constantly judging my motives and all of that. It makes me upset. I feel like a failure when I realize the other person doesn't have empathy. They have no sensitivity. But I try to understand why someone is doing what they're doing. I try to understand people's emotions, especially in relationships. Why are they being angry? What's the reason behind it? The root of why somebody gets angry is the empathetic area, which is something I try to understand and empathize with. And then it allows me to be a better person. There are times when I can make someone feel more good. Believe, or I believe, in living with good intent. But I also believe in saying sorry and being understanding. End quote. (laughs) She also says her parents were a huge influence in becoming the empathetic person that she is. Quote, My parents don't really tell me that I'm beautiful. They say nice things, but they're not kind. They make me feel beautiful in my own way, she explained. My mom used to tell me, I wish you could understand people. And I know exactly what she meant. I think most of us are hard-hearted and we can't get into somebody's shoes. But my parents taught me a different way of how to be. They are really empathetic. So I learned to get into somebody's head and I used to feel bad about things too. But you have to understand their circumstances. That helped me be a better person because I understand why people are saying and doing what they're saying, end quote. An example of empathy, she said, is giving someone a sympathetic look or saying, I can feel how you feel. And to those who could complain, she's got one piece of advice. Oh, dear God. Okay. (laughs) Quote, take a look at yourself in the mirror and try to understand how you feel, Nikki said. Take a break. Take a break and be kind to yourself. Feel how you feel and go do something good. Do something to make you feel better. Do something like eat some chocolate. Get a manicure. Go watch a movie. Listen to music. Listen to a good song. Just do something that you like to do. End quote. And end of fucking story. I oh. can I just point out that it's at the end. It says NCIS Sundays 
8, 7 Central CBS. And I was like, what? Yes. So mm-hmm. apparently that's how you close a Cosmopolitan article. You have to cite your sources and where it came from. So there's a whole apparently source citation. Apparently you said citation. this on NCIS. So I yes. mean, good for you. You're on NCIS and in Cosmopolitan. So And CBS. Aired on CBS, by the way. Yeah. And apparently I have a featured image by Robert Vose, Voitz, or whoever the fuck that is, in CBS Images. I really think we should start putting a link to these in the uh, show notes so people can go through and read them since they're hard to follow and talking about them. Mm -hmm. So I might make these separate documents so that we can or I'll make a separate document so we can link um, to these stories in the show notes. Um, Speaking of this document, ma'am, have you seen what your avatar in Google Docs is today? I don't see what you see. So what is it now? What is oh, it this time? Oh shit! A beaver. Beaver. Oh my! They just picked the most random ass animals to make me hunt. I have to take a picture of this and send it to you, just so you can believe me. Look at anonymous beaver. <laughs> okay, be be looking at your at your messages because it's coming through. I could die. Oh shit. What were you last time? A coyote? I was something? a dingo at one point. I dingo. Think I was it was a, a dingo. Yeah. yeah. A koala. You were koala the first time. Koala. You were a dingo <laughs> last time, and now you're a beaver. <laughs> like and what's like I said before, what's so weird is that I am signed in. I'm signed into my Google when I yes. when I access this. So, mm-hmm. but that, so it doesn't make I, sense. I do see the picture. I, I like the icon. It looks less like a beaver and it looks like a koala, actually, in that picture. It does. But I'll, I'll accept it. I, I, We do not understand why this happens. We have no idea. This is a shared Google Doc that we put these stories in so that both her and I can read them, read along with each other and keep track of these. And even though she is signed in and, sh- and I'm sharing it with her signed in account, she will not show up at all as herself being signed in. It's only this damn anonymous insert animal here and it's different every single time and you know what i'm not fucking mad at it i hope it never changes to be honest with you because this shit's never, just fucking hilarious never change google docs never up. change no never change google docs never change you can't make this shit up oh hell all right aminder what's the mad lib this time okay we are going to be doing caring for a digital pet so going to need an adjective okay yellow uh, person in room. Amanda. Uh, adjective. Listening. Noun. Basement. Plural noun. Chairs. Verb. Swim. Number. 17. Another verb. Dance. Noun. Earl Grey tea. Animal plural. Sugar gliders, because that's one of your favorite animals. And I'll fall over dead the next time you guys pull up. I swear to God, if she's an anonymous sugar glider ever, I'm going to fall out. I'm just going to fall out. (laughs) (laughs) We might just stop the show there. Where If we ever get anonymous sugar glider, the podcast is going to stop. Okay. Just going to fall This is the end. Why is it the end? Well, she she became the right animal on Google Docs. I don't have to tell you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, What do we got? Verb. Skedaddle. Adjective. Noble. Verb ending in ing. Crunching. 
occupation plural? Street sweepers. A verb? Flim flam. Flim flam, thank you, ma'am. Adjective? Hard. <laughs> and verb? Hackle. Okay. Gonna get you, bitch. Here we go. 90s Mad Lib, caring for your digital pet. Congratulations. You are now the yellow owner of a virtual pet named Aminder. Here are some tips for keeping your pet healthy and glistening. Feed your basement a balanced diet of pixels and chairs. If your pet gets hungry, it will swim for attention. <laughs> Play with your virtual pet at least 17 times a day. I mean... Tamagotchis, if you didn't pay attention every 10 minutes, it would die, so... Yes. <laughs> if your pet gets bored, it will... If your pet gets bored, it will dance for attention. Virtual pets aren't potty trained, so you'll have to scoop up its Earl Grey tea before it attracts sugar gliders. <laughs> if your pet gets dirty, it will skedaddle for attention. In general, if your pet is bored or slightly noble... It will keep crunching for attention. Hide your pet from teachers or street sweepers. They will steal your pet and flimflab it for the rest of the school year. Remember how hard you are to own a virtual pet, even when it wakes you up in the middle of the night to tackle. Oh my god, okay. Nikki's you... dying. <laughs> okay, well, that's caring for your digital pet, folks. 90s edition. Um. Alright, so... You haven't picked up on the theme for, you know, from the AI story. I saw today this uh, Facebook post from, I believe the account is called Autisticality. And I will link it in the show notes so you guys know where to find it for sure. Because we are going to directly rip off, um, not really rip off, but read from this post. So you guys know um, what we're doing here. However... I was very struck by this because I've mentioned before that there is a pretty strong stereotype with the autistic community where we are seen as not empathetic or incapable of having empathy or not having emotions and things like that. And I just, we just both know that to be not true. So when I came across this today on Facebook and I knew we were recording, I'm like, dude, we have to talk about this. So I'm pulling this up now is why I'm like dragging this on so I can see it and follow through but okay amender is going to read for us this lovely post about um something called over empathy hyper empathy hyper empathy sorry hit it amender okay so it begins with it says the myth it says one of the most simple myths is that we have no empathy this is not true instead autistic people might struggle to show their empathy or have it understood by non-autistic people I feel like in that my, in my case, uh, especially, like, I feel emotions very heavily, but just, and it doesn't always seem that way. Yes. It says, what, what is hyper-empathy? Hyper-empathy is an intense sense of empathy where the person can feel emotional, mental, or even physical pain on behalf of someone else. This can include animals and objects, being able to pick up on the feelings or presence of feelings in other people, which is then extended through to you. The impacts, the challenges those, yeah, the challenges those with hyperempathy face are the continuous effects of feeling other people's feelings, which ultimately leads to burnout, overwhelm, and withdrawal. 
due to being unable to, quote-unquote, turn off your empathy. This can be a real struggle to feel things that you cannot control, as often our own emotions can be overwhelming, yet alone those of others. Some might struggle to even understand the emotions if you're alexthemic, leading to further distress. Uh, what helps? Firstly, to ignore the belief that autistic people have no empathy, since that is very insulting and demeaning to suggest. Secondly, understand that empathy can be had and not necessarily shown. A person can feel a flood of emotions due to empathy and not know how to communicate it or share how they feel, if they know how the, if, if they know how they feel. Lastly, recognize and accept that hyper-empathetic autistic people might need space away from others to take care of themselves instead of worrying about everyone else. And that's it. Okay, so that word, you stumbled upon that. Um, it's alexithymia. I'm going to read the, the definition. It's an inability to identify and describe emotions. So people with this have difficulties recognizing and communicating their own emotions, but also struggle to recognize and respond to emotions in others. So that's what Alex, th Alexthemia, Alexthymia, however you want to say it. Yeah, I haven't, heard that. I haven't heard that word before. So I don't know about you, but I assign like personalities and emotions to things. And I always have ever since I was a little kid. Like say you're playing a game, right? Say you're playing a Pokemon game and you have your little team of Pokemon. But then you come across a Pokemon that you catch and you're like, oh my God, I want to add this to my team. But then you're like, but I already have all my Pokemon and I already like all my Pokemon. But what if like, oh my God, that Pokemon's going to feel bad if I kick it out of the team because I want to put this new Pokemon in. Like, is that, that sounds crazy, right? But like, I've done that since I was a little kid because I've, I've assigned a personality to a, a what do they call that? Not an inanimate yeah. object, something else. You anthropomorphize. Well, anthropomorphize means make something human, but. Yes. So in a way, yes, like I, I I assign it a personality and an emotion that it doesn't have on its own, right? It's a game. These these things in the game don't have feelings and emotions. It's a game. As far as that takes place in like other parts of life, like in TV shows, okay? There are some TV shows that I have had to stop watching because I get so into the characters and the plot that I am affected emotionally in large ways by the storyline of the show and the characters in the show. So like, for example, I think I've told you before, I used to watch Vampire Diaries and the show Rain. And after a couple of like really emotional episodes of Rain, I had like, my husband was like, I think you have to stop watching those shows. Cause like you didn't do anything all day, first of all. And second of all, and, like, at this time, let me just add context to this. We had, a like, a newborn at the time when I was re really into this. So, like, bottles had to be washed so he could be fed. <laughs> so, like, things needed to be done. And, like, I still fed him. Don't worry. But, like, I did nothing else but, like, keep him alive, keep myself alive, keep the other child alive, and, like, watch these TV shows. So I was so invested. But then I was, like, emotionally fucking distraught for a very, very long time over these stupid shows. So I had to quit watching them. And then, you know, farther out into, like, actual real-world situations with real people, I do consider myself, you know, what someone might call an empath, right? I do pick up on energy around me. I do pick up on other people's emotions. I generally can tell if someone's irritated, sad, mad, happy, like, before they ever say that to me. Like, I can already tell 
how they're feeling just by having that hyper awareness of what's going on. And if that person's sad, then if I'm not careful, I can take on that same sadness. So I've had to kind of train myself over the years to not do that. And it's not easy. But what about you? Yeah. And it like, like you said, when it comes to shows, like, I don't know if I've ever been so like emotionally distraught over a show, but basically anytime anyone cries, like if I'm watching something, if they're crying, I'm crying probably like nine times out of 10. Yeah. Same. Like I, I briefly talked about this one episode of Last of Us that was on, it was like the third episode and it's just, the show just ended and I legit had to stop the episode, like pause it. Cause I was absolutely sobbing, like absolutely sobbing. And I've had people in my life who didn't think I've, I've been told by people like they didn't think I had emotions, like not like not that I didn't have emotions, but they're I remember I, one time I was crying at work. I think I was working in the movie theater and someone was like, I just never could picture you crying. I was like, why? They're like, well, you just seem like I'm like, I seem like like a bitch, basically. They're like, well, yeah, I guess. that's a nice way of saying you're a heartless bitch. That's all that is. Yeah. And I was like, no, I cry all the time. I was like, I legit cry all the time. Like, I feel emotions very strongly. It's just, it's hard for me to, like, like put into words, like, how I'm feeling. Like, I can, like, it's kind of like receiving a gift. Like, when I receive a gift from somebody, it's, I want to show gratitude, and I say thank you, but it's like, it just almost feels like I'm acting like I'm being fake, even though I know I'm not. It almost feels like there's something stopping me from saying exactly how, I feel and the part of it said like you also feel physical pain maybe not like physical pain for me but like if someone like for me like knees especially because I hurt my I've hurt my knees so many times but like whenever I see like a knee injury or something I immediately like cringe and wince like I just I can't and the whole like animals and objects things like I, I think as humans we any pet we have we kind of put our own feelings into it oh and yeah. like make like like, yeah, like, oh, the dog looks sad, or the dog's like, oh, he's looking, he's happy. It's like, not necessarily, just being a dog. <laughs> like, not, like, yeah, dogs can be happy or sad, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what they are right now. Right. And, yeah, and I I play video games, and so I put, like, I get attached, I do get attached to, like, video game characters. And I, I told, I briefly talked about this before, I read fan fiction, so it's like, I like to see the stories of these fictional characters, and... I like to see that. and But yeah, I just, I get attached to, like I said, I don't know if I get emotionally distraught about many things and, and stuff, but I, I see what you're getting from that. I kind of just wanted to call attention to this particular topic specifically because it is a fucking myth that people who are on the spectrum do not have empathy for people. I'm not sure where that originated from, why... Like, why that became such a pervasive, like, misconception or stereotype or myth. Maybe it is because of the inability to emote in the way that normal people in society emote. Like you mentioned, like, when someone gives you a gift, you are happy, you are excited, you are grateful, but you don't feel like you're outwardly expressing that in the way they would want to. So you feel like you have to over-express how grateful you are that you like it to get someone to understand that you're actually happy about it so that they don't misunderstand your reaction to their gift. Yeah. So I feel like that's probably a lot of it because my my face doesn't always reflect how I'm feeling. I get called out so many times for resting bitch face. It's not even funny. 
I could be super happy and super excited, but look like I want to choke you the fuck out. Like I just, I'm not, I don't look approachable, but I'm a really fucking nice person. Okay. I am. I'm a really nice person, but I look like I don't want you to talk to me. So it's difficult. Like my emotions don't always reflect like what I'm actually, or my face doesn't always reflect my emotions. Like I legit, when I worked at Barnes and Noble, I had just a little quick story. I would, I just went there because my internet was down at my house. So I went there to use the internet and to do stuff on my computer. So I brought my laptop and I was literally just listening to music and reading something like reading something on my laptop. And my coworker, who she understood me a lot, like we had, we pretty much had the same humor and everything. And she just comes over because she's at work and she comes over and she goes, are you okay? And she like, let's look at my computer. I go, I just take my earbud out. I go, yeah, why? And she goes, she's like, I just making sure like what you were doing. Cause it looks like you want to murder somebody. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just, just reading a story. I'm actually enjoying and listening to music. I like, but yes, it just looks like, and I had man- I've had managers that say everything. Okay. I go, yeah. Why? I'm like, they're like you just you look really down today i'm like no I'm just uh, this is my not really thinking about anything face i guess so yeah and like i don't i don't know if you do this or not but i saw another i saw a thing this is kind of a related topic but kind of not but it made me think about like being at work and your coworkers not understanding your demeanor i saw this thing the other day that was like does anyone else or are you the type of neurotypical that huffs all the time because you're so focused on other things that you forget to like breathe deeply enough so you find yourself sighing and huffing all the time and think people think you're fucking angry at them or just pissy like I do that a lot at work and I remember one day my boss came up to me like because my coworker was kind of like staying away from me and standoffish and like we were talking about something later and I'm like yeah she kind of seemed like she was mad at me she's like Nick you were huffing anytime she was anywhere near you and I'm like no, 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 no. Like, that's not, no, that's not what was happening. Like, I wasn't huffing at her. I was focused on doing things. So I was forgetting to take, like, this is a real thing. Like, I don't know about you, but I forget to fucking breathe deeply enough sometimes. So I'll catch myself and I'll go, or like, I'll huff or I'll sigh. And that's because I'm just fucking breathing. Like, I'm just trying to get fucking oxygen. I'm not mad at you. (laughs) So like, I had to clear that shit up. Like, I'm, I'm a huffer. I'm a sire. Like, I do that. Because I don't breathe when I'm hyper-focused on shit. Actually, literally two days ago, it was either yesterday or the day before, I had a coworker that questioned when I, I just went, I just went, <sighs> and then uh, my coworker's like, you okay? I go, yeah. And I kind of made up a little lie. Um, I kind of said, oh, I have to get on the phone and I don't want to get on the phone, which I mean, it's true. I don't like getting on the phone, um, <laughs> even though it's part of my job, but I just kind of, I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, I just totally forgot to breathe or just, <laughs> just breathing heavier than normal. Or anytime, like I was at, I would, when I like back at Barnes and Noble, I had a manager, he, he gave me like a little nickname. He's like, I can always tell when you're focused on something because you just all of a sudden sigh. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, that's just, he's because anytime I sigh, sigh, he'd be like, you okay? I'm like, I'm just really focused on this project. So. Yeah, like I'm literally just breathing. Like I'm not huffing at anyone. I'm not huffing like, because I take of such, anything. Such little short breaths all the time. Like I'm surprised yeah. that my lung capacity is probably like one percent. Even though <laughs> I love swimming, I go hiking. I you know used to play clarinet. I don't anymore. It's like how do I ever play clarinet with my lung capacity? Like when I just take short little breaths, where because I feel like also 
I just don't want people to hear me breathing. So I usually just do it really quietly all the time. And so, yeah. like I said, it's every so often you got to take a really big breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're literally just breathing. I think going back to masking, we've talked about this before. I have to learn and pay attention to how people emote for certain emotions. Like when you're happy, this is what a happy face looks like. When you're frustrated, this is what a frustrated face looks like. When you're mad, this is what a mad face looks like. And I started to learn and like body language and started to learn like, okay, that's how a person acts when they're this way. When I'm fully unmasked, I am a flat affect. I have a flat tone. I have a flat face. Even if I'm sitting at Barnes and Noble enjoying a music and and a story that I like, I will look like I want to murder you because I just am unmasked. I'm just unmasked. I'm just focused to the point to where I forgot that my face doesn't look right to people. And it, it's frustrating at times too, because like my coworker getting irritated at me and mad at me because she thought I was huffing anytime she came near her. Like, it's just one of those things where I feel like because it's such a stereotype and because people don't understand, I feel like I'm constantly explaining to people. I'm not a bitch. It's just resting bitch face because emotions are hard for me to physically show somebody, to physically display them. I have them feel all of them all the fucking time and I feel yours too but I can't always show you that especially not on demand like you said with the gift thing like that's an on-demand response you are handed a gift by somebody in person right and then you have to automatically on demand activate the happy face and the happy voice tone and everything and I feel like that on the spot on demand is difficult for me when someone sends me like my husband he's very sweet And he is very easy to, like, send wonderful, like, messages about how much he loves me. He can express all these things. And I'm like, yep, love you too. And that's just our joke, right? Because, like, I can't express myself like that on demand. Now, if he didn't send me a thing first and, like, a thought came to me and I had time to type it out, delete it, type it out, delete it, refine it, I could come up with something nice to say, something beautiful to say. Basically, we're not good at improv. Yes, we're not good at improv. I freeze on improv. Like, I can't just automatically respond in the same way he responded to me. And I think a lot of that is because he's expecting, like, if he sent this big, long, beautiful thing, and all he gets back is a thanks, love you too. (laughs) You... If if that if the if the situation was reversed, I'd be pissed if that's all I got back, right? But like <laughs> I can't I can't on demand say something just as eloquent and beautiful as he just sent me. Is that like is that the same for you? Like you can't like express that same level back to someone on demand? <laughs> yeah, it's like when people it's 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 because it just takes a lot of energy. When people give like it seems like they're giving their all when really it's just something that comes so easy to them. And they're like, here's this novel of how great a person you are. And I'm just like, okay, thanks. I know. <laughs> Yay. You, you're great too, buddy. Um, <laughs> it's like, so, wow, what a bitch. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, it's like whenever I have people at work, when I get a lot of, like, when I get members that are just like so grateful, so enthusiastic and everything, like if I help them with something, I'm just like, yeah, you're welcome. No, no problem. Luckily, my manager has listened to our calls and like sometimes, and so I'm just like I just cringe at the thought of like listening to how I talk to people because I just know that I probably sound very flat, even though I'm trying very hard. Like I can fake it pretty well. It's just at some point I'm just so exhausted of having to do it all the time that I just 
I can't be enthusiastic as much as they want me to be. Right. You know, it goes back to the masking thing. Like we work in customer service, both of us in different areas, but the same thing. Mine is like physical interaction with humans all day. So like, while you don't necessarily have to worry about what your face looks like, you have to worry about what your voice sounds like. I have to worry about what my face looks like and what my voice sounds like in front of people in real time improv. (laughs) That's why I left. That's why I got out of out of the public space where (laughs) they can't see me. Yes. I did love the call center when I worked at Hyatt. I loved the call center for that reason because I could mute the phone and motherfuck people silently even to myself in my own little cubicle and and whatever i roll my eyes so many times yes i roll and then go i'm sorry sir let me see what i can do to help you with that and just fucking turn on the the voice right throw my headset down like mute it and throw the fucker right yeah Mm -hmm. and then we're done and so like i at least had that release that i have to worry about my what the fuck my face was doing you know because even if I'm not saying anything, my face is not going to fucking lie to you. Okay. It's just not my face. Ha- I have to focus so hard on not looking like I don't like you or like, I don't like what you're saying. So that's really fucking exhausting. By the time I get home, like it was saying in that one slide, like it can be really exhausting just to have all of that energy around you all fucking day. By the time I get home, I don't, I just want to go fucking melt into a corner somewhere and like sit for a minute and fucking doom scroll. Like that's I, that's need a minute. Yeah, that's why like I I told Scott before, um, granted Scott's not the best at responding to messages either, and he's will <laughs> fully admit that. But it's like it's harder for me to respond to reply to people when I get home from work and I it more a lot lower Mikey lot more well well <laughs> English words. Um a lot more likely to respond to them when I'm at work. But then as soon as I get off work and I can take that mask off, I can get in my comfy pajamas, sit in my recliner and just veg out, then I I ignore my phone for, for most of the night and then yeah. so it's more on the weekends or um I, like when I'm at work that I will be able to reply to people. So that's why sometimes it's like you'll message me at like 7 p.m. Be like, and I'll met reply back at 8 a.m. when I get up. So right. just, sometimes I'm just like, I, I was like, I'll read the message. Like, not just from you, but from anyone. I'll, I'll read the message and be like, uh, no. Because it, it's like if I reply, then that person's going to want to have to have a conversation. And I don't want to have a conversation. I've had too many conversations. I can't anymore. I feel that. And I'm sorry, if everyone can hear the the fucking ruckus going on in the background... I have a child in the bathroom behind me and these walls are thin and he's making all the fucking noise he possibly can. So excuse my crotch goblin as he makes all the noise in the bathroom. (laughs) But anyway, sorry, it was highly distracting. Like I can't, I can't tune that out when there's a bunch of fucking noise going on behind me. Yeah. Work is hard in general. It's it's hard when you're neurodivergent to have to pretend to be something you're not. And I think to bring it back to the empathy thing too, like, I work with all women. We all have lives. We all have shit that go on and like that goes on. And when someone comes in in a bad mood or sad or frustrated, I cannot fucking help but feel that. I can't help but like notice that and then ask myself questions like, well, should I try to talk to them about it? Well, what if they don't want to talk about it? Or should I, you know, when they do, if they do want to talk to me about it, How do I fucking respond to you? I don't want to get too invested in what you're saying to me because then I know that's going to drag me down and drag my energy down. So I have to like 
do this mental fucking karate in my brain to figure out like what is the proper response for acknowledging someone else's feelings when they're around you and not fucking absorbing them do you know what i mean like how do you how do you fucking keep from doing that basically if i have like if i'm in a group with people and one of those like one of those people is in a bad mood it's like i also like feel like i'm in a bad mood or i'll feel like it's my fault yes even though they were in a bad mood before they even were with me (laughs) so like oh my god did i put you god i'm not making like it's like oh i put you in this bad mood or at least i I, or at the very least i'm not making it better me Uh being here is not making it better right um and so what do i go where do i do from here right so like say like say for example like say like scott's in a bad mood it's not like i'll necessarily be in a bad mood it's like a me like for me a minefield not that scott's like an explosive person right right no but it's like a minefield like like, well what do i what do i do from here right yeah that brings up a perfect fucking point. And I do want to talk about this. I am a fixer person. Like, I like to fix things, right? Like, if it's broken in any capacity or it feels off or whatever, even emotionally with people, with things, I like to fix things. So when there is a a person around me who's, like, in a bad mood, I want you to talk about it so that we can fix it, right? And a lot of times, if it's something simple, like... I don't know. I just have a really bad headache. Instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry, your head hurts. I'll go, well, did you take something? And sometimes people don't want you to try to fix it. They just want you to listen or they'll perceive that as you don't give a fuck that I don't, that I have a headache. You just need me to take something. So I'll quit having a headache and leave you alone and quit being grumpy and bitchy. I'm also a very logical person. So I was like, if this is something you're frustrated about and has a very simple fix, like my husband does this to me all the time. Like I'll tell he's like down and and like grabbing his head I'm like what's going on well I have a headache well did you take something well no and then I'm thinking kind of bitchy but I'm like you wouldn't have a headache if you get up and take a fucking pill fix it (laughs) and so (laughs) people think I'm being unempathetic right that I'm I have no emotions because they've told me something that in my logical brain has a very simple fix and I'm just trying to help you see that there's a simple fix to the situation because you have a headache guess what I have I have an option that can help you fix that It's called ibuprofen or Tylenol. Here you go. No more headache. You can be happy again and I can stop feeling your bullshit. That would be great. And maybe it's a little selfish. Maybe. I don't know. Kind of. But also, like, who wants to have a headache? Like, and maybe just me saying, hey, did you take a pill? Might remind you to go take a fucking pill and you won't have a headache anymore. But a lot of times that scene is like, not listening or not being empathetic because you're just offering a practical solution to the problem instead of just being there to listen. Do you ever find that that's an issue for you? Like someone just wants to vent and bitch to you, but you're hearing they're venting and bitching and you're seeing problems and you're offering solutions to the problems. And so they think that you can't possibly emotionally relate to what they're saying. It's like, no, I'm just trying to help you because I'm a helper. And when you feel bad, I feel bad. (laughs) So like, I want to fix it. I think like I did see this one post a while ago, so I'm not I'm not, not going to quote it perfectly. But I remember it's like it's like we need to get to the point to where if someone is venting to you, like it should be okay to be like, are you are you looking for someone? Are you looking for a soundboard or are you looking for a like a solution? Right. Like, do you want me to tell you how to? deal with it or are you just needing me to listen do you need a listener or do you need a fixer 
And it kind of reminds me of, there's actually a scene from Parks and Recreation where um, one character, Anne, is in a relationship with another character, Chris, who he is a definite fixer. He's very hyper and very positive. He's neurodivergent. She's not pessimistic, <laughs> but she's just more realistic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Anne Perkins. But there was like a scene where she was like complaining about something like, and he would just immediately try to fix it. Like, well, let me just do all the stuff for you, which was very sweet and very nice because that's just how he is. But then he got told, I forgot which character told him, but he got told and then be like, dude, he's just, she's just looking for someone to just say that sucks. So like at the end of the episode, she was uh, complaining about her job and, or something at work. And he goes, you know, that sucks. She goes, yeah, it really does. Like, he, she wasn't looking for a fix. It was very sweet. But then there are people who want to vent, and, like, it seems like they're wanting a solution. And so I try to give them options or give, them, give you know, try to help them, and they just have excuses. Whether I have a coworker that does this a lot, like, excuse for everything. I have, mem- like, members that do this all the time. Like, I had someone earlier at work who... I gave him three solutions, three very viable solutions, and he didn't want a single one of them. So then why'd you call me? Right. Why'd you call me if you didn't want my my solution? Yeah. So So I think, like, as the person who's neurodivergent, I think that's a great point to make. Like, maybe on these conversations, when you find yourself in them, give yourself permission to pause the person speaking. Be like, I'm sorry, but scripts help me. Okay, like, scripts help me. So, like, something along the lines of, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to be able to effectively listen to this issue, but I need to know, are you wanting a soundboard, like you said, or are you wanting a solution to this problem so that I know how to listen to you best? Because if I'm listening to solve your problem, that's a completely different kind of listening than just listening to hear someone bitch. Also, that gives you the opportunity as someone listening to somebody's story to know how much energy, the very precious energy we have, how much energy do you really need to put into this story you're listening to right now, right? Like, can you just be there to go, mm-hmm, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, that sucks, and just give the, like, little, you know, Like, do things- I need to, are you looking for my, my empathetic energy or my logical energy? Yes. I, it's very hard to have both. That's great. I love how you, that's perfect. I love that. Do you want empathy or do you want solutions, <laughs> right? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. And so one of those requires different energy than the other. Some For some people, maybe there's one that requires less energy than the other. So it helps you as the person who's interacting with the neurotypical person it helps you to understand like what your role in the conversation is. So I really like that. That was a good point. Thank you. <laughs> Long pause. That was a compliment <laughs> and made me nervous. How answer? <laughs> we just watch this just shit going in real through, time, going folks. Through the file file cabinet that is my brain of appropriate responses when someone compliments you. <laughs> And we are not editing that out on purpose. That was real-time processing right there. Or, that was really sweet. I love that. And you're like, wait a minute, what do I say? (laughs) (laughs) Anytime my manager come, like, anytime I'm given, like, what we call a coaching, and I literally told my manager about managing manager, like, she was, like, coming on something, and then I just didn't know how to respond. Like, I was probably just, like, like a deer-in-the-headlights look to her. 
And when she was like complimenting me on my work or whatever, I was like, okay, thank you. She's like, is that, is that not good? I'm like, I don't know. I don't receive criticism nor compliments very well. I just outright told her that. I'm like, I, I can neither receive criticism nor compliments. Just don't, I just can't. So I don't know how to respond to things. Like, I would rather you just not say anything to me sometimes. <laughs> like, just, yeah. Just be like, like, just leave me alone. Yeah. Just leave just, me alone. Because then I don't have to flip through my fucking file cabinet of appropriate responses to a compliment before I answer you. Because also it's like, I take things very personal. So yes. like, I, I do the chat system. I have a chat system thing at work and there's like a survey that gets sent to them like on the chat like after we're done like any other customer service chat and i don't look at them i don't look at i don't look at the surveys at all like they can tell me like whoever if they want to tell me what the survey results are they had never have but like my coworker who also runs the chat she is always looking at the results at least from my like at least last time i asked her about it um and she's always looking for the results. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want what people thought of me. Because, like, that's why I can never be a waitress. Because, like, I would feel every single time someone stiffed me in a tip or gave me less tip, I would feel it so personal. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I'm like, I, I don't look at surveys. I, I hate them. It's like, I would just feel, I, I can't. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't want you, I don't want to know what you actually felt about me. <laughs> so Right. And I read into things more than I probably yes. should. There is a situation at my job just today where and yesterday where I got the feeling that my manager was upset with me for something that happened and really it had nothing to do with me at all. It was just some in general thing that was happening, but I took it personally because I had like a small part to play in the situation even though the rest of it had nothing to do with me. So I like took the whole situation on as like mine to fix now and I like over apologized for the for the thing. I don't like it when I feel like someone's mad at me or someone has misunderstood me. That probably goes back to the RSD thing and trauma. But like, because I can, I'm trying to like perceive the situation correctly. Sometimes it leads me to over, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I've overthought the situation. Like I've taken it a little bit too personally and put a little bit too much thought into the situation. And that also kind of degrades the communication a little bit too do you find that to be a problem for you like yes, overthinking and like, for sure like i it's like it sucks having like rsd like anxiety all that and being an overthinker because like i will send someone a message not like a risky message or not like just anything bad but i'll send it to them and if i get left on red i'm like oh no yeah. Oh God. Oh, what did no. I say? Oh no. And then so yeah. I got I got to follow up. If they don't answer me, like if I if I'm left on red and they don't answer me, like after a certain amount of time, I'm just like, oh God. And I know they're not busy, like they're not at work, whatever. I will follow up with like a joke or like say something at the expense of myself type of thing. And like, no, no, no. I was like, you're not mad. Everything's fine. It's fine. And then same with like, like I said, I think I mentioned on a previous episode where my manager's manager, manager, my manager's boss knows. That if she wants to talk to me, she has to tell me I am not in trouble. Yeah. She's like, can you come to my office, please? Followed up with, you're not in trouble. Like, because if she says that, I it's like doing the doom walk over to her office. Like, it's better take me out behind the shed. You know, <laughs> it's fine. Like, this is it's it. Fine. This is the day I'll I get fired. I'll just pack up my stuff now. <laughs> yep. I'll just pack up my stuff now. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah, um, immediately worst think. case scenario. Immediately worst case scenario. Every time. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, 
I don't know. Do we have anything else to add to this over empathy thing? Do you feel um, like you have anything else to I say about believe... this? No, I think I was going to say something earlier, but it it's it was fleeting. It's gone. So it's gone. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's just it's not there anymore. Like like a bird <laughs> fleeing from the nest. It's just gone. Like a bridge over but... troubled waters. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts disappear. <laughs> Sorry, that was stupid. <laughs> it's very stupid but it's fine i love it <laughs> you got me laugh coughing lord okay <laughs> well to avoid any more a uh, babylon own i think that's it man i think we've covered it i think we've sufficiently talked about hyper empathy probably not we probably fucking left a bunch of shit out but you know what it's fine it's totally fine it's just our thoughts yeah. we said this in episode one after every episode yeah, like don't after every episode, I I just yeah I just I just after every episode I'm like damn it why didn't I say that yes. like <laughs> like I left meant to say that did not say that I need to like keep just notes anytime I have a thought about what to do just put a note like bullet points I need bullet points in an outline like that's what, I'm bad at improv man yes seriously okay well thanks for doing this again with me because it's fun and I like to talk to you very fun. It was at this time that my internet dropped and we lost poor Amender. So I'm going to do the closer for y'all. Make sure you check out our socials. Um, you can find us at The NDC Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Go follow both of those pages for me. It would really help us out. We will see you next week with another episode of the Neurodivergent Convergence. Okay, bye. <laughs>